1: not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did.
0: I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today we talk with two women who channel their artistic gifts into messages of hope that they use to inspire the world country music star Ray Lynn and Christian writer Christy Cambron. First, we visit with up-and-coming country star Ray Lynn. After she was a contestant on NBC's The Voice in 2012, Raylin Lynn saw her career skyrocket. She believes in the power of music to tell stories and to help others who are struggling feel they are not alone. Raylin shares how her passion for music was born in church, the winding road she traveled to launch her music career, and how God has helped her overcome personal and health struggles.
2: Hi, my name is Raylin, and I am a country artist. So I grew up in Baytown, Texas, which is outside of Houston. It's probably like 45 minutes from Houston. And I grew up in a very musical family. My aunt and my uncle are pastors of a church in Baytown, and my mom is kind of like the person under them and kind of helps with things around the church. Growing up, I was involved in everything at the church. I they kind of threw me on whatever instrument they needed that Sunday, I guess you could say. Like, I always played drums in youth group, and I helped kind of figure out what songs we were gonna sing and stuff like that. And then on Sundays, I remember there were some Sundays where I did play drums, which is funny because I'm a little five foot two blonde. And then there were some Sundays where I would just sing or really just do whatever my aunt wanted me to do. But I. Went to public school till I was in sixth grade, and then I started homeschooling, and that's when I really just was at the church full time, and then was kind of doing my own music stuff as well. I always knew that I loved music. I grew up coming to Nashville all the time. When my my cousin was in Christian music, his name's Leland, and he's in the Leland Band. They're awesome band, and all their albums were nominated for Grammys and. My cousin Leland actually got a publishing deal, so he started writing songs at 13 years old, which is crazy. And so after he got a publishing deal, we would come up here all the time for GMA week, and I would help sell Leland's merch and kind of help him as he got older. And so that's when we, I remember walking down Broadway, taking pictures with Elvis, and all of that when I was, you know, super young. And I always loved Nashville, and there was always something that drew me to this town, but I didn't know that I would be called to country music. It just kind of happened when, in Texas, there's nothing much more to do than to go to church and to listen to country music, I feel like. And every year I would go to the Houston Rodeo, which is the big, big, big rodeo in Texas. And you know, one year we'd see Alan Jackson, or one year I saw Hillary Duff. Oh my gosh, that's a throwback. One time I saw Blake Shelton, I've seen Miranda there, I've seen George Strait there, like every year we would go. So I kinda credit that to really giving me the entertaining bug when it comes to country music was just how much country music flows through Texas.
0: At just 17, Raylan's career began to take off thanks to her appearance on NBC's The Voice. Raylan tells us why she was almost unable to audition for the show.
2: So I was coming back and forth to Nashville with Leland at first, and then I had a connection to write with a few writers out here in Nashville. My first cousin, like I said, Leland. Leland's brother, Jack, is married to Michael W. Smith's daughter, Whitney Smith. So I would stay with them, Michael and his wife, at their little guest house, and I would just come up here to write whenever I could. And I think I was 16 the first time I came, or just turned 17. I was here writing, and then I got approached in one of my writing sessions by a really good friend of mine, Nicole Gallion. She's an incredible songwriter. She was just saying, you have such a unique voice. You should audition for The Voice. They're like coming here in a couple weeks. I was like, I'm a minor and you can't audition unless you have your mom here. She was like, I'm sure they'll let you in. I filled out all the paperwork and I just went there. And I had my audition time set and everything. And I walked in and the guy goes, where's your mom? And I was like, she's not here. And he goes, well, you can't audition and I said, You're gonna let me audition. I'm telling you, I'm gonna make it. Please let me audition. I said, My mom's in Texas. Like, I won't have this opportunity again for a long time. And he, like, made me sit for like 30 minutes. And then, like, because he had different people walking in. Then he came back and he goes, All right, Blondie. He goes, If you don't make it, we're gonna act like I didn't let you through. And I was like, Okay, I was like, I promise I'll make it. And then I went in and I made it and I felt so good because I was like, I don't want to have to go out and have to face that guy again. Like the first time I sang, like they pl- they played my audition right after the Super Bowl. There was 13 million people that were watching that episode. 13 million, I'll never forget being on my, I mean, I had like 200 followers on Twitter and I got 10,000 followers in an hour. Like, like it was just nuts, it was like overnight completely just crazy. And the only thing that got me through was the peace of the Lord. I was super young, and I I mean, I know I'm still young, but when you don't have anything to compare anything to, everything's just kind of open-ended. And I didn't have any fear in my heart because I'd never done anything like that. I remember my mom would pray over me every night and would just pray that God would just give me confidence on stage and that, you know, I would just Go up there and be a light for him, and just do great. And I, I credit my my mom and my family's prayers every day because I. It's so funny when I watch old videos. I was fearless, and I still am fearless. But like when I think back on it, like I've sang it on the Voice a couple times since then, doing my own songs, and I get so nervous. It's because it's it's like I know how big the show is now, and I didn't know then. I. Remember when I first moved to Nashville, I wanted just a devotional to kind of give me scriptures each day that I could study more. And so when I found Jesus Calling, it was really awesome because first of all, I feel like every day, it hits me like I need it to hit me. And it's it's just so crazy, like that's how I know that each one of those, each day is from the Lord because each day, like when she's like today you might, you know, or it's from God's point of view, but like, you're probably gonna face this, but know that I'm with you and all these things. And it's like, those days, I always get faced something. And it's like, it's just so crazy because that book is just so anointed and so incredible. But then the scriptures at the bottom, I'll always look them up in the Bible, in my Bible, and then I'll read just that whole chapter. And it's always kind of given me kind of a a footing into where to read in the Bible each day. And since then, I mean, it's been, it's been a lot easier for me. But at first, you know, it's like, the Bible is just so intimidating. It's so big, and you kind of don't know where to start. Growing up in church, of course, like each Sunday, it's different, but I wanted to have my own walk with the Lord by myself. What does that look like? And my first stepping stone for that was Jesus Calling.
0: Lynn reads a message that is meaningful to her from the June 21st entry of Jesus
2: Calling. Waiting patiently with me while I bless you, don't rush into my presence with time consciousness, gnawing at your mind. I dwell in timelessness. I am, I was, I will always be for you. Time is a protection. You're a frail creature who can handle only 24-hour segments of life. Time can also be triant ticking away relentlessly in your mind. Learn to master time, or it will be your master. Though you are a time-bound creature, seek to meet me in timelessness. As you focus on my presence, the demands of time and tasks will diminish. I will bless you and keep you, making my face shine upon you graciously and giving you peace. That's awesome. The time you spend with the Lord shouldn't just be in the morning or at night, it should be throughout the day. Like, when you're just driving, you can talk to the Lord. Like, that's what is so awesome about God's heart and, and God's presence is you can be in it at any time. My favorite part about country music and the reason why I wanted to be in this genre is the stories that you can tell. And I believe that music is a way to heal people in a, in a lot of ways. And Some of the toughest times in my life, I can tell you what record and what song helped me get through it. And I think it's super important as an artist to speak your truth because that's all you can do. And if I'm gonna sing a song every night, it's gonna be something that I've went through. So Love Triangle uh, is a song that I wrote right when I was done with The Voice and I came to Nashville. And Love Triangle, honestly, was just a song that came from heaven, like I, that song has magic on it from the day we wrote it and it's so funny because even though it's about divorce it has helped so many people Some mamas and daddies are in a straight line take this woman and she heard this song and she was thinking about getting a divorce because her husband was going through a lot of things and after she heard me sing it at a writer's round she decided right then and there to make her marriage work and I love being able to go back and and see songs that have changed my life and to know that love Triangle is one of those songs for people that you know and even kids that have felt stuck in the middle between their parents and this one a girl that I met and a fan meet and greet, she said, I've never known how to explain to my parents how I felt about being stuck in the middle. So all I did was gift them your love triangle song and say this is how I felt for the last 15 years. And literally, like, it gives me goosebumps when I still say that because that's what music's about. It's, you know, sometimes you can't talk about things, but you could always just play it for somebody. And I don't know, I thought that was just a really cool story.
0: Ray Lynn is passionate about spreading a message of love and service to her fans. She talks about her new single titled Queens Don't and the real-life inspiration behind the song.
2: First of all, I don't believe it's just a like a, a song for a woman. I believe it's a song for men and women because I believe somebody who really has a heart of royalty is is somebody who truly loves somebody for who they are, and they act with a heart of humility, and they serve other people. And I think about my mom. You know, my mom is... The biggest queen of them all, and one thing that I love about my mom is she'll go into a room, and if someone's not feeling the best about themselves when they when she leaves, they'll always come up to me like, "God, your mom just rejuvenated my spirit," and that's what being a queen and a king is 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 going into a room or going somewhere and just completely captivating somebody and making them feel like a million bucks, and and that's what I I know that I'm called to do, like. Each fan that I meet, I don't take any of it for granted, you know, and I I want to look them in the eye and thank them for coming to meet me. And I want to thank them for buying my records and thank them for buying a ticket because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. And you only get those moments. Like, what if I never meet that fan again? Like, I want to make sure that they'll always remember that moment.
0: Though she experienced big success on the stage and the country charts, Lynn is open about the struggles she faces in her personal life and her
2: health. So me and my husband met at church. Clearly I wasn't focusing on the Lord that day and was focusing on Him. And then I saw him a couple weeks later at a wedding and then got my number and we've been kinda just stuck at the hip since then. And I was 18, he was 21, and then we got married well a couple years after that, so we've been married for a little bit now, but he's the best. And then so a little over two years we've been married, but he is in the Army, yeah, and so he decided to join probably about a year into our marriage, and he is, I know it's a selfless thing what he does, and I'm very honored to be by his side in that. He just supports me in everything that I do in music and as an artist and just as a woman, and I think it's super important as a wife to do the same for him. It's hard for me because, you know, Josh has gone doing training and stuff, but it really shows me I think it's easy for anybody to be selfish and say, if he was doing another job, then he could come see me and come out and be on the road with me and all that stuff. But then when I think about it, I'm like, all I'm saying is me, me, me. And it's like, that's kind of selfish. And I'm so thankful that he has all these you know, dreams in his heart because that's what's going to make him so unique to this world. And just like I have a calling on my life to do this, he has a calling on his life to do that. So I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 12 years old, and it was hard. I mean, when you first find out at 12 that you're going to have to take a shot every day, you're like, are you crazy? I hate going to the doctor anyways, and now you're going to have to tell me I have to take a shot and give it to myself at 12. You're crazy. But I went to a lot of classes, and I learned really about type 1 diabetes and this disease, and I quickly realized that I can either be upset about this, and live a n- very unhappy life, and like, kind of walk with, like, why, God, why did you give me this? Or I can take the bull by the horns, and take this disease, and just kind of make it. I, I, there's no reason that this has to hold me back. and And that's the approach that I took. And I will say, it took me a while to get there. One thing that I credit my diagnosis with is that with having type 1 diabetes, is I live the most healthy life right now and I credit that to my diabetes because I don't I think if I didn't have diabetes I'd be eating donuts every day. like honestly, like I love food <laughs> so much and it's helped me really just take care of myself. And so that's that's one thing is like anytime you can kind of get you know someone throws a wrench in your plans and you think that life's gonna be this way and it kind of takes a u-turn. You just got to know that that happens for a reason, and and you can always get back on track. Now I'm so thankful I have type one diabetes because I can be a voice for it, and it's a part of my story that that only I can have, which I think is cool. I'm reminded every day when when I you know just see things happening in my life that gosh like I would not be here if it wasn't for God and and what He's done in me and and get, and calling me to do this. I heard this recently uh, from a friend of mine who's in the country industry as well, and. He gets asked all the time by different, like just different friends of his that are Christians. And they're like, How is it to go into these dark places and go play at bars and all this stuff? And he goes, Well, they're not dark places if you bring the light. There's darkness everywhere, but if you carry light in your heart, then it doesn't matter where you go. And I loved the way he answered that because it's so true. It's like everything that I have is because of the Lord, and I know that. And I wouldn't have my career if it wasn't the promises that He's given to me. And things that have happened in my life literally wouldn't have happened without the favor of God, and I know that 100%. To
0: learn more about Raylin's new single, Queens Don't, and about the Raylin Diabetes Fund, visit raylin.com. We'll be right back after this brief message about a free offer from Jesus Calling. Are you looking for a way to keep track of your daily prayers along with Jesus Calling? The Jesus Calling Family Prayer Calendar goes right along with your daily readings from Jesus Calling. Each day begins with a guided reflection, followed by a space for you to fill in your prayers of thanksgiving and special requests. You can get your free Jesus Calling Family Prayer Calendar by visiting jesuscalling.com slash offers. Visit JesusCalling.com to download your free family prayer calendar today. Our next guest is Christian fiction and Bible study writer, Christy Cambron. Since she was a child, Christy loved telling stories. Today, she tells us how one art history class in college inspired her to write her first novel more than a decade later why she decided to quit her Corporate America job after 15 years and begin writing books, and why a book on her desk at work inspired her to make that leap.
1: Well, I'm Christy Cambron. I'm married to Jeremy for 17 years, but we've been best friends for 21. We have three little boys, which means I'm also a mom, and I'm a vintage-inspired storyteller for Thomas Nelson Publishers. I write fiction, I write nonfiction, and I love talking about Jesus. So really all of my stories, anything that I write, whether it's fiction or it's a nonfiction Bible study, whatever, or when I'm speaking on stage, whatever I write is in this space where art and history and faith merge, where those three things come together. That's always where I want to be telling a story. Well, I'm a Midwestern girl at heart. My dad was an architect, so we really had to travel around to wherever the jobs were. So that means that I spent time in Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, settled in Southern Indiana, which is really cool because we have this Northern Indiana thing going on, but we have some Southern culture too. We say y'all, we sound a little Southern because we're right by Kentucky. Spent time in church as a kid, but was really brought up in the Southern Baptist Convention. But I would say that this big faith factor for me and in my family really came from the relationship that my mom and my maternal grandmother both had with Jesus. My mom led me to faith in Christ very young. It was Mother's Day. I was, oh goodness, probably six or seven years old, really young girl. And my grandmother instilled that faith in my mom. And so my grandmother is known as this woman who has spent her life praying in prayer day in and day out so it's amazing because I'm in my upper 30s now and every day of my life I have been prayed over by name by my granny who is still here who's still on earth with us getting saved as a young kid is very different from walking an aisle at 16 years old in youth church and, and understanding that what Jesus did saved me from my sin, went to the cross, died for that sin, rose again. The redemption that was there and the offer of a free gift that was there and a best friend that was just waiting for me that became real to me when I went to a Christian school in high school. So 16 years old is really where I understood who Jesus was, what he did and who he wanted to be in my life. All the way back, maybe five years old, I would tell my mom at the time, I want to be a Disney animator. You know, I just loved visual storytelling so much. And, and what do you have when you're a kid? You, you have cartoons. And so really the gold standard of back when I was a child was Disney animation. But the funny thing is I had these hands, that were not gifted to be an artist. I couldn't really paint. I couldn't draw really much beyond stick figures, couldn't sculpt. And so I thought that meant I couldn't be an artist. I couldn't create. And the dream to be a visual storyteller, it could have died right there. But my mom took my sister and me to the library every week in the summertime when I was young. And my sister, she is still the biggest reader you will ever meet. It's funny because I write books and she reads them and she tells me about them. But my sister would run to the fiction section of the library I would go the other way. I would go to the art section. And even as a kid, seven, eight, nine years old, I would pull down these thick volumes of art history and Disney animation. And I remember sitting on the floor in the library, just thumbing through the pages and just falling in love with visual storytelling. Now it wasn't until I went to my first year of college. I'm I'm young, I'm 17 years old, and I walk into an art history classroom, and all of a sudden it's where those things that I loved, the art the history and the faith, where those things came together. And I hear this whisper on my heart, no, it was the Holy Spirit telling me, you're home. This is where you're supposed to be. And that was when things really began to change for me, where I really began to understand my creative calling. Yes, I got an art history research writing degree because it was my passion. It was my heart, but I had no idea at the time that God was going to take that, that experience And 10 years, you know, more than a decade later, he's going to have that emerge in creative writing and writing my first novels. And so faith and creativity and art, they were always really connected with me. I just had to begin to understand what my calling was to those things and where they they merged together. One of the things that I really remember from those first classes in art history, and and there was a day. That I walked in and there were all these students and it, it was before social media, it was before all the technology. And so we literally had slides that you would have projected onto the front of this large classroom. And so I walk in and our art professor, she begins to put slide images on the wall and you could tell, okay, this is World War II era art. And and you could tell that it was some beautiful things. It started out to be music notes and flowers and landscapes, really just beautiful watercolors. There were there was some poetry, there were beautiful images. Then the images began to take a darker note. They they became more menacing and you would see guards and watchtowers and boxcars, train cars. You would see people marching in line in striped uniforms. And, And so we knew this was Holocaust, but we thought it was a commentary on the art. So we thought this was modern art. And then our professor came back and said, no, this was actually art that was created by prisoners in Auschwitz, in concentration camps, they created art. And this is what was left behind when the camps were liberated. And that for me imprinted on my heart. It was a defining moment for me as a creative because years later, I had no idea that God was going to have my debut novel be about the art of Auschwitz. But it really imprinted on my heart because I was thinking about how creative our God is, right? All of the things that he has designed on this earth is nothing if it's not creative. And I remember thinking back, under penalty of death, in the most horrific circumstances we could imagine on this earth, those prisoners in those concentration camps were willing to risk everything because God had put creativity on their heart so strong that they were willing to risk everything just to create. And that was a heart thought, an idea that stayed on my heart for more than a decade and would eventually come out in my debut novel. And then I do write novels where you have art and history and faith and where those things collide, but it's more than that. It's taking these dark places in our world history, in our humanity, and seeing that the light and the love of Christ is able to rise up in the midst of all of those.
0: After college, Christy spent 15 years working in corporate America as a group instructor and technical writer. Over time, she realized she wanted to pursue work where she could talk to others about Jesus and His love. Christy recalls the tug on her heart to pursue work that was more meaningful to her and tells us how a gift from her mother played a huge role in that move.
1: I first became aware of Jesus Calling through my mom. My mom has been a great faith influence in my life, and I'm holding a book that she gifted me, a Jesus Calling book, on Easter in 2010. And this was the book years ago when I was sitting at my desk at work, and I felt God begin to nudge me into my calling, and that was creative storytelling with Him. Jesus Calling is a part of my life on a daily basis through a number of ways. It was that experience of opening the book and finding through Sarah Young's words, just the beauty of the words on the page, that I had a connection to God. I had a connection that was personal. It was intimate that He knew me He knew my experiences. He knew my dreams. He knew my future before I even did. And to find that on the pages of a book, it's so rare. Jesus Calling is just ever present. It's been there for years, and I love that I have the opportunity to dive into these words as many times as I need to on a daily basis to enrich my walk with Him. I remember I was sitting at my desk and I'm looking out over Main Street and there are all these cars going by, really busy skyscraper office. I'm talking to my husband on the phone and I remember telling him, you know, I love what I do. I love storytelling and writing and teaching, but I would give anything if I could just do it for Jesus. And I had this copy of the Jesus Lives version of Jesus Calling on my desk, that it talked about calling and how Jesus and depending on him and how he's there— and the reverse is 1 Peter 2 9, Isaiah 61 10. And I'm just sitting at my desk and I'm reading over these verses and really feeling this call on my life and how God was asking me to do something radical, which was trust Him with everything, surrender everything to Him. And it was a couple of years later that He began to impress upon my heart to go for publication. A girl from small town Southern Indiana who sometimes got B's in English was going to go write books and write stories for God. I am as surprised as you are, (laughs) but God was right there and he was there in this book. And I have dates written in the margin of how that calling was right there. And so my mom gifted me this book, but she had no idea that through this book, she was gifting me to my calling. On page 150, the passage that really spoke to my heart was depending on him, depending on Jesus. And I have some Some of this context, it's highlighted and I have underlines and I have things written in the margin. It said, this gap between my call on your life and your ability to respond is part of my plan. It heightens your awareness of your utter insufficiency because you are mine. I allow you to connect your deep inadequacy to my boundless sufficiency. Instead of focusing on your imperfection, make every effort to stay connected with me. And that is highlighted, stay connected with me. And this page is (laughs) dog-eared and I have dates in the margin because it really spoke to what I had done for so many years, which was sleepwalking my faith with Jesus. And after this 15-year stint in corporate America, really felt that I began to use my spiritual eyes for maybe the first time. I'd known Jesus since I was 16 years old. But I really wasn't walking with him, and I wanted to. And this book really helped me to remember to stay connected with him. I'm asked often, what was that first step out like? To step out in order to step into your calling with Jesus. And it's been about five years now, and I wish I could go back and talk to that girl from five years ago and say, The big moment is not in the step out. It's not in the jumping out into a news story road. I thought it was. I thought, okay, God, you're asking me to walk away from security. You're asking me to walk away from comfort, from part of my identity, because I didn't even realize part of my identity was wrapped up in who I was, what I did, what my titles were. I had no idea that I was on a completely different road than He wanted me to be, which was to find my definition and who Jesus says I am. That's it. And so to step out, I thought the big moment was, okay, God, I'm going to walk into this office, and I put in my two weeks notice. And it was huge because I wasn't doing this alone. I had my husband, I had three children, I had family, I had friends supporting me. And I remember the call was so firm on my heart that God was telling me, step out, step out. And I wouldn't go. I was too scared to go. And I remember vividly, I came home from the office one day and I stood in the kitchen with my husband and I'm crying on his shoulder because I'm feeling this call to step out and to do something brave. And I just didn't feel brave enough to do it. And so after all of this, my husband said, well, I trust God and I believe in you. So let's do it. You can quit your job. And I went in the next day and I gave my two-week notice. And I thought that was the big thing. Yes, we did it. We did the big step out. No, the call was never just to step out and, okay, I'm going to fall into becoming an author, which had always been part of my dream. It was so much more than that. It was falling in love with Jesus and being willing to surrender everything to Him for the first time in our family's journey. To be able to imagine ourselves walking a different story road. new journey, perhaps. It really is what I love about storytelling, whether it's a fiction book, whether it's Bible studies, because that stuff is all true, right? (laughs) That stuff's not the fiction stuff. But when I wake up every day and I think, I have the opportunity to walk with the God of the universe. I heard this years before and I've never forgotten it, that the Bible is the only book that when you read it, the author is always there with you. How incredible is that? And so to be able to imagine what life was like back in, say, first century Rome, when the church was just getting started, when Jesus is on earth and he's walking that story road, if you will, with the disciples, it's more than just opening a book and thinking, wow, he was a great teacher or he was a cool guy in history. It's so much more than that. It is literally sandals in the dust walking step by step with Him day in and day out. That imagination is how the Bible comes alive, and it comes alive to us right now today in this world we are living in. And it doesn't matter if I wake up and I'm going to an office or I'm a homeschooling mom or I'm going to a church or I'm doing ministry or I'm volunteering, whatever that space is, whatever that sphere of influence is that God has placed me in my life, if I can imagine but the context of scripture is, if I can imagine living another's story, there's really nothing that I can think that would get me closer to God, that would help me to understand scripture and to live it out day by day by day.
0: To learn more about Christy's novels and Bible studies, as well as her latest book, Castle on the Rise, visit christycambron.com. Do you love hearing great stories of faith each week via the Jesus Calling podcast? We want to hear from you. If you haven't already subscribed to the Jesus Calling podcast, visit the Jesus Calling page at iTunes.com and hit the subscribe button. While you're there, we'd love for you to leave us a review and tell us how you feel about the show and what future guests you'd love to see. Your reviews and subscriptions help us share these stories of faith with more people who need the hope and encouragement of Jesus Calling. If you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.